What's good, everybody? Welcome to episode number 14 of the Go Figure Podcast, where entrepreneurs and small business owners get their money right. We've got Ty Talbot back in the house, back from uh, some uh, winter golf. Um, how was the winter golf over the weekend? It was winter golf, that's that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. First day got pushed out because of snow in southern Utah, so good oh, stuff. We got to post that video on the channel. What was it called? Oh, yeah. So uh, our house down there in, in St. George, there's a big... Uh, you kind of have to walk through and under a bush to get out to the golf course, but there's no sense in driving all the way there. So yeah. uh, we put it to the music of Field of Dreams when they start coming out of the corn, and we all slowly, one at a time, started creeping out of the uh, the bushes. So it's, it's, it's pretty thick uh, bush and brush out there, but it was pretty epic because they're like, you know, dip, dip dipping under and, and bringing their clubs through and going said and if, little little snow on the ground. So that's cold. what we told him. We said, if the snow melts, we will come. We will come. We'll play yeah. some golf. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, very good. Uh, some of us represented uh, better than, than others. I know you and Ben had a, had a good weekend, but uh, some of our team didn't, didn't. But, you know, the effort was there and, and uh, the focus was there. Maybe they showed up. That's they, they showed up. Maybe that was all they did. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys, so we've got a, a great show for you today. Again, if you're getting some value in the show, make sure you are liking. Make sure you're giving us some thumbs up. I guess it's not Facebook, it's YouTube. So, you know, give us that thumbs up. Subscribe to the channel. That way you can uh, get notifications. And, you know, pretty much it's most Tuesdays and Thursdays that we're doing these episodes from 2 to 3 Eastern, uh, 11 to 12 Pacific time. We are going to do our next episode this week on Friday. So if you want to put that on your calendar, uh, I'll be out of the office on Thursday, but we'll be knocking that on on Friday. So great topics for today. Let's get right into it. We're going to actually start with our family topic today, which is, and we, we didn't get to this one last time, but it's the biggest challenges for entrepreneurs and their families in 2023 that a lot of families are facing right now. So that's going to be our family topic. Yeah, that's a, it's going to be great. And then when we dive into money, we're going to talk about when it comes to marriage and money, opposites attract. Very uh, fascinating. So, you know, maybe you have a business partner, maybe you've got a relationship, maybe you do business with your spouse, or maybe you don't, but it's very interesting how that dynamic works. And you've got to be aware of it. And and one of the interesting things it talks about, if you do it right, then you'll get more on the same page as your marriage goes along. If you don't do it right, you'll get further apart, and usually that leads to divorce. So that's going to be a fascinating topic. And then, of course, we're going to get to uh, Ty's breakdown of divisional playoff weekend Within the NFL, we had some good ones with the 49ers, Bengals, Eagles, and Chiefs all moving on. We'll take a look at what happened in the divisional playoff rounds and uh, also talk about uh, Ty's uh, betting history, which continues to be pretty stellar. Yeah, it was a good weekend for sure. And then the, the mindset piece, we're going to discuss a new survey that came out that says many Americans don't listen to alternative perspectives and they lack critical thinking skills. And that hurts you as a business owner if you can't critically think and make good decisions. It hurts you in your family. It hurts the way you we look at things as a country. So I think that's going to be a fascinating survey that we take a look at. And then uh, in our mastery topic, we're going to talk about the importance of delayed gratification. We've talked in on and off a little bit about this topic. We're going to do a little deep dive, and this is from uh, Tony Robbins' website. Tony always brings amazing value perspective and actual examples of how these these uh, these mastery topics make a huge difference in your business, in your life, and especially as you're raising your children and your family. Yeah, and then wrap it up with freedom. This is something we've talked a little bit about, but we, again, are going to discuss how America's workers need more freedom, not more government. 
that's going to be a fun topic for sure. We'll see if we get through all six of them. If we don't, don't worry. We'll move one of those on to our Friday episode and make sure that we delve and dig deep. Now, again, if you guys have questions, comments, make sure you're commenting there, and we will uh, bring those up and certainly answer those in this episode or future episodes. Welcome to the Go Figure podcast created for parents and business owners who want to get their money right. My name's Leo Cannell. As a husband and father of five, I've been fortunate to create two eight-figure businesses in the fintech space. This podcast will share the values, principles, strategies, tools, and tactics that have helped us to build a fintech empire and provide an epic life for our family. Having been a parent and entrepreneur for 20 years, there's a lot I don't know. There's been a lot of failure. The good news is together, we'll find solutions to creating an epic life powered by a business that we love. So let's jump right into it. So our first article comes to us from Yahoo News, Yahoo Finance, and this is uh, the biggest money challenges for families, entrepreneurs, and their families in 2023. So, you know, one of the factors that we've been talking about is family savings rates have been disappearing. They increased during the pandemic, and now they've been, you know, going down, unfortunately. And, uh, at the same time, debt has been rising, not necessarily debt to start a new business or grow your business, but more of just debt to make ends meet, to pay for different things. And, and that's that's tough. So that's kind of the bad trend. Savings accounts going down, debt, bad debt going up. And then we've got, at the same time, a lot of families' net worths took a tumble in 2022 because we saw stocks, especially if you were in tech stops, I mean, it, you were down 20, 30, 40%, especially if you were in tech stocks. So you're, if your net worth was in the stock market, probably went down. Even bonds had a really bad run there, which are supposed to be safer. And real estate, for the most part, it kind of depended on where you were invested. But overall, it looks like the trend was negative in 2022 for most real estate values, especially if you were invested in more expensive properties or houses. If you were in multifamily, I think you were probably okay. And, and certain Airbnb properties in the right areas, they seem to hold their value. But overall, real estate values dipped. And so people who have their net worth in real estate stocks maybe saw that, most likely saw that decrease quite a bit in 2022. And so coming into 2023, entrepreneurs, business owners, you know, their savings have gone down, expenses have gone up, inflation's still high. And so what we want to talk about is, so what do you do to get back on track because, you know, one of the, I don't always agree with everything Jim Cramer on the, you ever seen the money, money guy on oh, uh, yeah. CNBC and he's, he's loud and he's obnoxious and he's, he's entertained. He does a good job. Um, but oftentimes he'll literally say things like I remember in the 0809, like he literally was telling people to do the wrong things. And a year later it was like, and he literally came out and he was so sorry and he apologized. And I think the same things kind of happened in 2022. And so, but one of the things he does say that I, I agree with him is there's always a bull market somewhere. And regardless of where you're at, a lot of the best businesses will grow, will take market share during a slowdown, during a, you know, a 2023 that we might be facing here. So what are we doing to make sure that that doesn't happen to our business? And what should other business owners be doing to make sure their business is growing? Mr. Talbot, what, what should they be working on? Yeah, it, it, to kind of break it down and talk about it, say, for the stock market, looking at the stock market as an example, one of the more elementary pieces of advice someone will say is, well, you haven't taken a loss until you've sold. But yeah. does that mean that I go down with the Titanic? No. I mean, you've got to 
constantly be analyzing your risks and understand, yes, there is no loss until I sell, but if the, if this money just completely disappears, it's, it's an absolute loss. And so yeah. with business, I think it's just a matter of constantly staying on top of your market, constantly analyzing your risk, constantly talking to your customers, hearing what your customers want, hearing what your customers need, uh, talking to your team members. It, it's just a matter of maintaining that long-term perspective, but focusing on it one day at a time um, and not, you, you can't run your business in fear because yes, this might seem scary. Money's disappearing. The housing market's going at right. A lot of this stuff, you see your net worth dropping, but you can't run your business out of fear. You've got to be overly optimistic. No question. And unreasonable optimism. One of our values that we've got on the wall here, things are tough. Adversities come. No surprise. We know it's coming. Yeah. We know there's tough times coming. And so being prepared for how you're going to react, what solutions you're going to focus on. One of the things that came to mind just as you were talking about that is the importance of having key performance indicators in your business. And over the last couple of years, you know, you're our COO and you've really built systems and processes like we have so many analytics and reports, but at the crux of all of it is your lead flow, right? It doesn't matter what you're selling, whether it's a product or a service or what it, what business profession you're in, like people are coming in, traffic's coming in. If you have a store, people are coming into your store. If you have an e-commerce store. Uh, Amazon, they're coming to your website or your product listing. You know, if you're in a service business like we are, where we do business financing, then uh, people are coming to you maybe from referral partners or they're coming to your website. And so you have this data, you know typically how many leads are coming in. And if you start to see leads disappearing, then you've got to know that on a daily basis. And the problem I think that a lot of business owners do is they do have their head, their head in the sand and they don't really know. And then all of a sudden, one, two, three months later, they realize, oh my gosh, I, we haven't gotten any of this type of traffic or this type of lead for a long time. And so, for example, yesterday, you know, you noticed halfway through the day, oh my word, one of our big lead sources is not coming in. Or, and we're like, what in the world's going on? And I went in and I figured out, oh, well, we're still getting the applications. There was a disconnect with Zapier. But if you don't realize those things, like that's how you actually lose business. We didn't, we didn't lose that uh, partner. But if we hadn't realized that, one, two, three weeks could have gone by, and then we would have jeopardized the entire relationship. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, like you said, I think that's where it comes down to even in your homes, your investments. It's not just, is it performing? Is it not performing? You've got to know those little things that are helping you determine if it's going to perform, right? We know 60 days from right now, what our revenue is going to look like because of our lead flow today. And if our lead flow disappears today, then we know how to account for that 60 days from now. So it's a matter of, like you said, getting those performance indicators, but it's not just analytics, right? We can throw out a bunch of random ass numbers that don't mean anything. It's getting those key the performance keys. indicators yeah. that matter. And it should, it should be a handful of real key performance indicators you know, how many people are coming in, how many of them are becoming customers or clients, how many of them are buying your product or service of those who are satisfied? Are they, you know, giving you a good review? Or are they referring it out? And, and there's this thing. It's funny on Sunday, uh, I try to do like a family meeting with my five kids and my wife every Sunday. And, and uh, usually I, I'm like, all right, honey, you, you go ahead and start it. And she starts it. And then I, I have this problem of kind of 
you know, butting in and taking over and not. So I'm working on that, guys. That's that's one of my weaknesses. But as we were going through this, I wanted to teach my kids an important lesson at the end of it. And there's this thing called Big Mo. My kids are like, Dad, what the hell? What's Big Mo? What's Big Mo? And I'm like, Big Mo is momentum. When you build momentum in your business, in your family, in your health, like it starts to snowball, like that snowball at the top of the mountain there. You know, we've been getting a lot of snow here in Utah, so this is a great uh, metaphor. You get that snowball, and it starts rolling and rolling down the hill. All of a sudden, it starts clumping up, and it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's the momentum that can build in your business if you build your business the right way. And it happens with happy customers telling other people about the product or service and happy strategic referral partners. And it can just grow, grow, grow. And all of a sudden, you, and it happens with social media, and it happens with getting like uh, you know deals and leads coming in organically from five-star reviews, all these things just start building. And so it's understanding you're maintaining your momentum or you're not. It's the same thing in your health. Like, you know, all of a sudden you have a week and I've worked out every day this week and I've, I've stuck my diet and, and I'm making progress and the scale's getting better. And a month later it's getting better. And then all of a sudden you fall off, right? And, and you go two weeks and, oh, and, and you have this difficulty and Maybe you had baby number two, and you're like, oh, my word, I can't. I'm so tired. I can't do anything. I've been there. Uh, but this momentum is real, and so you have to put momentum to work and know if you've got it or if you don't, how can you get it? Yeah, what are what are your strategies or your advice for someone that feels like they've had such killer momentum, maintained it for so long, slipped out of a habit, and it's like, oh, my gosh, that was so much work. I'm never going to get back to that. What, what's your advice on it's, it's, again, the micro goals. It's the, it's the take it one game at a time. It's take it one day at a time. And for me, it comes back to the schedule. Most of the time when I lose track of where I'm trying to get to, I, I might even have the goals written down. But in my schedule, I'm not actually doing the activities that are going to help me achieve those goals. So if it's fitness, I know that when I get out of bed, if I don't work out in the morning, by the end of the day, it's not happening. So I've got to get that workout in in the morning. If it's, you know, reading or listening to a podcast, it's putting it in my schedule. If it's something where I know that if I get stuck in all the little busy stuff and and my time gets uh, hijacked, if you will, from problems coming in, then I'm not actually bringing in more deals to the business. I've got to have non-negotiable, all right, during this time, I'm going to work on whatever your role is in the business, generating more clients or creating, you know, some content or meeting with more partners or reaching out and doing that virtual events. All those little things, it comes down to what are you doing daily? And if you just focus on, uh, there's this great book that just came out uh, by Ed Milet. It's called One More. And it's this cool concept where he's like, his dad, um, he had a tough childhood. His dad was an alcoholic for a lot of his childhood. And so when he was about seven, 16, 17, all of a sudden his dad had this big moment. And he's like, I am done with alcohol. It has been hijacking my life. And, you know, it, it was affecting his children, his wife, everything. And so he's like, I'm going to, you know, really try to, to clean up on that. And so, you know, about a weekend, little Ed goes to his dad. And he's like, dad, are you really going to like stop drinking and get your life in order? And he's like, son, I don't know, but I'm going to try and do it one more day. <laughs> and so that was his thing. One more day, one more day. And so Ed took this awesome lesson that his dad taught him and his dad was able to stay sober for the, the rest of his life. And he just recently passed away and Ed, Ed wrote this book. And so Ed kind of incorporated that into his life. 
at uh, five o'clock where everybody, you know, leaves. She's like, I'm going to make one more phone call in the gym where, you know, he's tired and he's beat up. I'm going to, you know, do one more rep. When he wakes up in the morning, he's too tired to, you know, do the, the next thing he needs to do. I'm going to do it one more time. So he had this one more focus, and that led to great success. So these, these little values and principles that you implement in your life really can make a difference. And at the end of the day, when you're not here, if your kids, if your team, if your community learned those things, then that's where a legacy can really make a difference in a lot of people's lives. No, I love it. I, I think that's a great concept because we always have enough left in the tank for one more. Sometimes I hear this whole Grant Cardone thing. It's like 10x, 10x, 10x. I'm like, I can't do 10 more reps. I can't do 10 more of this. Like, I don't have it in me, but we always have it in us for one more. Exactly. And that's doable, right? One more. One more call, one more appointment. But it is, if you don't have your calendar and your schedule in order, then it's so easy as, as a business owner. Like, you know this, right? You're sitting in there. And people just keep streaming in, and they come in, and they come in, and it's so easy to get your time hijacked as a business owner. So you just have to have periods in your day where, hey, guys, I can't talk to you right now. This is non-negotiable time that I've got to work on this new project, or I've got to work on this new implementation in our system or process or new marketing or new whatever it is. And so if you have those things, then you're proactively taking action, working on your business instead of always working in it. And you'll go from putting out fires. And so a lot of that also is delegation. Like you have to be able to delegate so that you're working on the $100 per hour stuff and your team is working on the other items that they can take that pressure off your plate. Yeah, delegate and, and know your skill set. Like yeah. that's yeah. that's something that I've had to really work on over the last year is understanding like I am not good at design. I can sit and play with a design, get on Canva, whatever, and, and play with it for three hours, and it still looks very okay. I send something to someone that's good at design, and in 10 minutes, they've created something better than me. So oh, yeah. knowing and accepting your current skill sets. If I want to work on it, I'll go work on it. Great. But right now, it costs our business more money by having me sit and spending three hours on a stupid flyer. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Pay someone at Fiverr. Bring someone on your team who's good at that and let them do what they're good at and that's and that's what's great about being a business owner you should not be the best at everything you should be bringing in more capable people who are better at something than you are and that's where the growth happens in a business not that you're trying to do everything and that you're the best at everything if that's the way it is that's a real real problem all right guys so that is those are some of the challenges that entrepreneurs and their families are facing in 2023 but we talked a little a lot about some of those solutions so implement those things those schedules, those key performance indicators, and focusing on doing what you do well and having your team delegating out those those tasks so that they or just just a contractor, someone at Fiverr paying them a hundred bucks to do something and that they can do well that they do every day and not wasting multiple hours of your day doing it, that would is is a great exchange. That's what capitalism is built upon. All right, topic number two is our money topic. And so when it comes to this is super fascinating to marriage and money. Opposites attract. This is a Wall Street Journal article. Um, super fascinating when it comes to marriage and money. Opposites attract. It has a lot of interesting things. But basically, a lot of times we choose our partners, uh, you know, in marriage, spouse, whatever it is, based on some of our, our values and principles that are similar. We have common, you know, traits, uh, things that we value, whether it's uh, family or know, travel, whatever the things are. And so, so you come together with that person 
And however, you'll see a lot of the times opposite of tracks where one of the, uh, you know, people in the partnership, the marriage is really outgoing, extroverted, and the other one's a little bit more introverted, or one of them is very detail-oriented, there's not, or in money situations, one of them, you know, is kind of a big spender, and the other one is very thrifty and frugal. I see that a lot of the times in marriages, and the thing that this article talked about is if that if they don't come together on those issues over time and they come apart then that's usually what leads to divorce and so very fascinating but most successful couples will come together you know with that how how do you see that happening or in like successful marriages um your marriage like like how does how do you see that how do people get on the same page with their spouse i guess is the question it it takes time. It takes sacrifice. Nice um, both of those things. It, it it takes gaining a better understanding and being willing to look at something from someone else's perspective. I I can tell you with me and my wife. To this day, some of our biggest biggest fights. Like I growing up was a very 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 clean and organized freak. Whereas. My wife didn't care if she couldn't even see a speckle of carpet on her floor because clothes were everywhere. And so if you look at our bedroom right now, 10 years ago, to Marie, it would be like, oh, my gosh, this is the cleanest my room has ever been. And to me, it would be like, I can't even live in here. My room's so messy. But we finally, over an eight-year span, have reached that point where we found that, that level ground where we're both comfortable and we both have gained that understanding, understand that what is really, really hard for her may be really easy for me. And you know what's what's kind of interesting? This is a little off topic. And, and I think not that it's a marriage, but a business partnership is yeah. you spend, if not more, equally as much time with your business partner than, than you do your spouse. And what's interesting is you and I are very, very different in a lot of ways. Like our skills, we have extremely different skill sets different personalities, but the more we hang out with you and Jill, interestingly enough, I'm finding that even down to like the taste buds, I have a lot of similarities to Jill (laughs) and you have a lot of similarities to my wife. Like it's kind of, obviously you're very, very different, but there are some key personalities, the big family, like there's a lot of things. It's it's kind of interesting to look at. It is. It's fascinating, you know, how that uh, works. But what's most important is to succeed. You're ultimately, like you said, you're coming together. And I think, uh, again, it's not a an event, right? It's a oh, process yeah. over time. And so if you go into the you know, marriage partnership expecting to be on the same page immediately, that's not how life works. It takes time to gain understanding. And then you really have to empathetically look at, well, what is their perspective like and, and get on the same page of how that works and, and that's important. But from a money perspective, like the, it's super important, especially in a business partnership or a marriage partnership, that you do get on the same page with, you know, sticking to some sort of budget, to having some goals. And if one of you is the big spender in your relationship and the other is more frugal, then it's really important to come together and get the same goals that you want to achieve together. And when you're working together, the results are extraordinary. And I could not believe the results in this article. This is a Wall Street Journal article, one of the few publications out there that I think really tries to be accurate and diligent in their reporting. So this this was the, the, the section that blew my mind. So here's what it says. 
The median net worth of married couples ages 25 to 34 years old is nearly nine times as much as the median net worth of single households, and this was as of 2019. Let me say that again. The median net worth of married couples aged 25 to 34 is not one, not two, but actually nine times higher than people who are single in that same age bracket. How unbelievable is that statistic, and why do you think that is? That is very unbelievable. I would have expected maybe two times, three times, even yeah. four times, but nine times is pretty remarkable. To, to play the devil's advocate here, I'd, may, I'd guess that maybe a little bit of that is like, I'm too young to even be married. I just moved out for my first time, and I'm working oh, yeah. at Zoomies type of thing. Yeah. But obviously, that's a small, small fraction. I, I think a lot of this has to do with accountability. I think my initial thought on that is accountability is everything in this life and simply the mere fact that there's someone else living in your home that with common goals that's willing to hold you accountable more so than you'll even hold yourself I think that has the biggest aspect to do with having the drive to make more money having the drive to invest having the drive to save having that extra layer of accountability I think is a huge impact that's a huge that's a fact that's a value bomb you're dropping there Ty because yeah if you have to be accountable to someone other than yourself for whatever reason we end up being way more accountable to our partner oftentimes than we do ourselves. And when you have someone who's counting on you and now, and now your goals come together, right? And there's, there's more uh, financial responsibility and there's, there's more focus on future. Maybe sometimes yeah. when you're single, it's just you, it's the present, it's living the moment. It's a, uh, you know, low, low, low. You only have one life to live or whatever that is. Uh, YOLO, I guess you only, yeah. you only live once. <laughs> YOLO. And, uh, and so, but when you're you're together with someone, now you've got these bigger goals, this future that you're working on together. And especially when you have kids, there's even more focus because you have to watch your finances even closer. And so fascinating. And, and probably too, if you're single, maybe you're not buying property, right? And if you aren't buying property, then you're missing out on one of the biggest ways to increase your net worth, and that won't change anytime soon. I think the confidence aspect too, like I, I just got a text a few days ago, oddly enough, from my nanny's boyfriend, which they lived together very, very close. And we were talking and ultimately it came down to the point where he's like, hey, she never ever would have asked you from that, for this because she was scared and felt like you might get mad and this and that. But because he brought it to my attention, I was willing to sit down and talk with her and go over that. Now, that's not how I see why I bring this up. But what I do see all the times is someone is killing it. Someone is a badass. Someone is due for a raise, but they don't see that themselves. However, because they come home every day telling their husband all this that they're doing at work, the husband says, you know what? It's time you go and ask for a raise or the same thing the opposite way. It's time you go ask for that raise. And they're progressing through their, their career a lot quicker by that extra layer of confidence and that extra that person helping them actually see their value and their worth. Absolutely. There, there's no question about it. Sometimes just having that extra person who who believes in you, yeah. right? Who believes in you and what you're doing and gives you that extra confidence absolutely can make the, the, the difference at the end of the day and translate into success versus those who don't have that. So I think that's a, a really good point. 
one of the things they talked about that helps couples have a much more successful money relationship and and thrive together is meeting on a weekly or monthly basis and talking about money, talking about you know their goals as a family, if they have children, you know things that they want the kids to be able to work towards. And, and just that communication and being empathetic and put yourself in their shoes and understanding what they're trying to accomplish. And when you do that, it's not hard to see why the median net worth of couples is nine times higher. All right, Ty, let's jump into the sports segment here. And sports, you know, NFL is by far and away the number one uh, segment of sports for us. And, uh, you know, we are getting closer to finding out who's going to be representing the Super Bowl. In fact, we'll find out this Sunday and on Friday we're going to be doing our picks, and Ty's going to be assessing uh, the betting lines, which are very crazy uh, going into Sunday. But, you know, let's uh, let's chat about these games here. So last week uh, we had the uh, 49ers and Cowboys. What was your assessment of that? What did you think would happen going into that game, and was it was the result about the same? Yeah, I felt like with that game the home team was going to win. Um, I think you have two teams that are very, very talented. I think that... The 49ers are, are a better coach team. I think that when you break it down, you look at every position in football, the 49ers were better in with their linebacking core. They're better with oh, their yeah. defensive front. Yep. They're better with their secondary. They're better with both offensive, defensive lines. They're better at wide receiver. They're better at running back. They're better at tight end. The one spot that the – oh, definitely better is at, at kicker. Um, <laughs> the the one thing that Dallas had going for them was they had a better quarterback. Yeah, they had the more talented quarterback, yeah. and he had to play lights out for them to win, and he he didn't. No, um, it just didn't happen. So I I'm not surprised. I've had a hard time because of Purdy giving the 49ers the credit that they deserve, but they are so so sound everywhere else on that roster and coaching staff that. I find, I think all four teams that are still in it are the four best teams in the NFL, and I think all four of them could easily be Super Bowl champions this year. Yeah, no, it's, there's more. The, the final four this year, I think, as much as any year, like all four of them are really, really good, mm-hmm. and I expect uh, these, these championship games on Championship Sunday to be very, very even. But, yeah, I, I agree. that I was uh, My assessment was the 49ers were going to win that game but the thing that that still was impressive, I thought, about Purdy is he was able to drop back and get to his second and third options and then deliver a strike, and he doesn't have the arm that Dak has, right? No. There's a reason why he was the last pick of the NFL draft, but he made the right choice, and there's something to be said about better leadership, and I think that starts at the top. With the Cowboys, you've got Jerry Jones, and hey, he's been a great business leader, and, uh, you know, obviously started out so successful because he brought in the right people, the Jimmy Johnsons and other people that led to so much success in the early 90s for the Dallas Cowboys. And then he started to get this hubris and think, oh, I, I'm the guy. And he basically kicks Jimmy Johnson out, right? And <laughs> since that time, they have not made it to one Super Bowl. And he's been the GM. And I feel like he just has gotten in the way. And he just doesn't even realize it. And now, on the other hand, let's look at the 49ers, right? So you had Jim Harbaugh, who built up the 49ers. They got to the Super Bowl, uh, what was it, eight, nine, ten years ago. Yeah. Lost to his brother, John Harbaugh, and uh, the Ravens. It was a really good game. 
And then Colin Kaepernick's career kind of, you know, went down after that, and the 49ers were back losing and doing terrible. And then they brought in John Lynch, right? Super Bowl winner, great leader of men, and he becomes the GM. And the owners, not trying to make all the decisions, they bring in John Lynch, and then John Lynch brings in Kyle Shanahan to be a coach. And how is it that they're so effective as leaders, and what can we learn from that as business leaders or leaders in our family? Yeah, it's like we talked about earlier. Um, Everybody in that organization understands their role, and they're so good good. at their job that they're they're putting everyone else in positions to succeed, right? Like you said, Dak Prescott, from a talent talent basis, like he's got a better arm, he's faster, he has more experience, he's, he's the better quarterback, but Purdy is the better executor. Like, he knows his job, he trusts his coach, and he executes. And because Purdy knows his job and trusts his coach and executes, Debo Samuel has better games. Christian McCaffrey has better games. Brandon Ayuk, Brandon Jennings, uh, Kittle. Kittle has absolutely gone off since Purdy came in. Dude, how, how about that play oh, he's, where he's going down the middle and he's tapping it up to himself? I mean, Yeah, it, it's just a matter of everyone having that trust that the person next to them will do their job, and I think that – is so important with businesses. Like you said, me trying to create a flyer is like Jerry Jones trying to be the GM of the Dallas Cowboys. Go get someone that knows what they're doing that's a professional. You are the Dallas Cowboys. So many people have these childhood dreams of coming and playing for you. You should have no problem going out and getting the best staff and the best roster and winning Super Bowls, but he's overstepping boundaries and micromanaging down to even the coordinators. Like, it's... it's, Yeah, you're a billionaire, sports owner, oil guy. He just made a great investment a few years ago in another oil company. And you don't have the time to go assess the talent. You don't have the time to be there in the trenches like a full-time GM would be able to do. And you're missing out. And I think what he goes for is he goes for the numbers, the fastest 40, the strongest offensive lineman. But there's more to it than that. It's the values and principles that these guys stand for, that they're going to come through in the clutch. They're going to be doing the extra effort, not just you know getting by on talent alone. I think maybe that's where he's missing out on getting the right people in the right positions. Exactly. And whereas Lynch, he like goes way deeper than that. A lot of these yeah. people on the 49ers roster, you didn't even know who they were in college. Yeah. Like you didn't even know who they were on their last NFL team, and now they're superstars. And it just goes to show, like, you look at the guys that have the fastest 40 times in the combine, they are never the same guys that have the fastest in-game speed that's tracked with pads on. Like, there's a different level. I was just thinking about that, and I was just thinking, why in the world are we timing these kids? Because, you know, I coach my 10-year-old's tackle football, and I'm going to be coaching again next year. I'm like, why are we timing them without their pads on? No. We're going to time everybody with their pads on with all the drills next year. I don't even know what... I don't even know why I allowed that. The other coaches, oh, they, 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 no pads today, guys. Nope, bring your pads. We're going to time you with your pads because your football speed matters way more than exactly. your non-football speed. And not only pads, but drop back, let them run, time them from the second the football's in the air to the second they catch it. Let's see how they can let's, – let's track their burst. Let's say a, a running back, yeah. the second he gets in open space, what his top-end speed is when he's being chased. Like there's yeah. that different gear competitors find – that you're not going to see at a combine. Oh, so true. So true. I think that's the same thing with work, Leo. Like, you see that all the time where you have this super, super valuable 
person that has all these accolades and went to this school and that school in an interview, but until you, it doesn't mean jack shit till you see them in the trenches. Oh, like yeah. it all comes down to how they perform when they need to perform, not what they have on paper or what they can do at a combine. You don't know how hungry they are, their actual work ethic, their big dreams, how they push through adversity versus somebody who's been given things, they're entitled, they might be very talented, but that does not translate into success. Exactly. And entitled people, it, it ends up uh, not working out. So Bills and the Bengals. Bills were eaten alive by the Bengals. You saw this coming. I thought the Bills would show up. I thought they might be more destined. You know, they had that crazy Demar Hamlin thing. Did work out. Why? Why didn't? Why did the Bengals dominate them? So my cartmate at the uh, the guys riding with at the golf tournament on Sunday is my buddy that I bring up a, a lot on here because he's a huge Bills fan, and I must say it gave me such. I was so pumped to watch him just <laughs> suffer because obviously I'm a Dolphins fan, but. I told him before the game, I, I as incredible as this DeMar Hamlin thing is, I think that they've played it so much to where the point it's they've nearly made this guy like a mascot for hell's sake. Like oh, it, it's yeah. in my opinion become more of a distraction than anything. I think that first game back, the kickoffs, recognizing him, his incredible recovery was great, but they've just played that for so long that it's become a distraction. I've kind of seen this. I've seen this downward spiral that the Bills have been on. Their defense isn't playing like they used to be. They can't stop the run. They're relying way too much on Josh Allen. They're getting out coached. Like that Dolphins team was was pretty bad. They they had a really bad third third string quarterback. They had a ton of big injuries on defense, and to take them to the final like drive of the game that that was when I realized you know what the Bills aren't beating anyone else in this playoff. Oh, you were right on. I mean, yeah, they absolutely disappointed. The one thing about it was I thought, okay, Cincinnati's down three of their five offensive linemen, and they struggled against Baltimore. I mean, Baltimore darn near won that game. Yeah. And then Joe Joe Burrow just came out on fire in the snow and was just throwing dimes, just so accurate. And I thought he moved around in the pocket really well and even ran the ball himself, which he's not known for. No. He's not. I, I think they came in with a really good, strong game plan. Um, Joe Mixon had a phenomenal game. The Bills can't stop the run right now, and it seemed like oh, they man. were there were a lot. They more. were getting chunked, yeah, 10, fifteen oh, yeah. yards every single play. And Zach Taylor, who's an offensive mind, head coach of Cincinnati, and you got Coach McDermott, who's a, you know, been a good defensive coordinator for a long time and had been a good, successful coach for the Bills. They just were out. Strategize significant. It was yeah. it was crazy. I was blown away. All right, then uh, we got Patty Mahomes uh, injures his right ankle. Uh, backup comes in, does a good job on a ninety-eight yard drive, I think, to get the, a touchdown for the Chiefs. And the Chiefs end up winning that game uh, against uh, Jacksonville. Jacksonville still played, you know, pretty well. I think what was it, twenty-seven twenty? Yeah, I think they got one more at the end, so made it twenty-seven yeah. twenty. Yeah, so it was. Uh, not as close, maybe, as the score uh, indicated there, but uh, Chiefs uh, get the win. Any takeaways on that one? It all comes down to Patty Mahomes' health. Like that, yeah. I, I think there was no surprises there. That no, I think most of us expected yeah, that. The, the Chiefs yeah. are the better team right now. More veterans. Like they, I don't think anyone was surprised. I think that what I took from that game though is the Jaguars are going to be a very very real yes, team they for are. the next five years yes they are now they've got a lot of talent uh, across the board tight end receiver 
running back, obviously Trevor Lawrence, very talented. So, yeah, good things in store, and, and uh, Coach Doug Peterson, great. There's a reason why he won a Super Bowl with Philadelphia with a backup quarterback, Nick yeah. Foles. And then uh, Eagles, just, uh, again, I think most of us expected this. I don't know if we expected, was it 38-7, mm-hmm. like, the Eagles are dangerous, so it's, I'm super curious to see what's going to happen, you know, this weekend with them. But would you see uh, the Giants were just dismantled in every way, shape, and form? I said this a couple weeks ago. I, I the Giants aren't good. They the yeah. NFC. I didn't just think they were good that all bad. Either. The yeah. NFC has three, four okay teams, like good teams, two yeah. really, really good teams. A couple okay teams, and then it is a massive drop-off. Yes. A lot different than the AFC there. I didn't think the Giants had any business even beating the Vikings, but they pulled out a really, really good game, and I think it was they just kind of like after that win, they were spent. They were <laughs> Yeah. Uh-huh. There was nothing left. They're not going to beat the Eagles. They, Daniel uh, Jones had his best uh, best game in a long time. And yeah. They ran the ball pretty well. So I, th- I think they did a good job overall this year, though. I, I think uh, – is it Dable that that left Buffalo? Coach Dable, yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to take your hat off to him because yeah. they turned it around. I mean, by far the worst wide receiving core you've seen in the NFL in quite some time. And Daniel Jones still had a very productive year. I, I think if they fill a few gaps, a few holes, they could have some some exciting years coming up. Yeah, definitely, they've got some potential there. All right, guys, let's move on to our mindset topic. New survey. Many Americans don't listen to alternative perspectives, and they lack critical thinking skills. This uh, is a very interesting survey. So it says 94% said critical thinking is extremely or very important, and 86%, according to the survey, said they find those skills lacking in the general public today. And the rest of our article talked a lot about social media and echo chambers. Like we watch and we follow people who fit within the narrative and and we pretty much agree with everything they like and say and do. And so we just sort of listen. We get one side of a lot of stories. And because we live in these echo chambers, we're increasingly less critical thinkers. We don't listen to other sides of arguments. We're not empathetic two other arguments, and yet we know it. We know it as a population, according to the survey. Everybody knows it, and yet it's such a struggle. What is it about critical thinking and looking at both sides of an issue that we struggle with so much as a population? And and how does this come into play if you're a business owner? Because this is super important if you're a business owner. Oh, it's very important. And, And the reason why this happens, Leo, is because people really only care about how it's going to impact them yeah. or what their take is on the on what you're telling me I'll, I whether it's a one up or whatever that may be people want to talk about themselves or they only care about how this will impact them that's one of the quotes that I love that's still written over there on my desk that I give to all of my reps is be extremely focused on listen with the intent to understand not the intent to respond. If you listen with the intent to understand, you will know exactly how to respond. And so it's something that I think we're wired. Like I I genuinely think we're wired in a way to listen and think, how will this impact me? What can I share? What, you know, what is, what is my take on this? What's my experience with this? When in all reality, if we can really, really be uberly focused on understanding your perspective, then we're going to know exactly how to respond to that. In the article, it says, 
A cornerstone of critical thinking is an openness to making judgments and solving problems in a reflective, objective manner. And so then the, the question is, all right, what are the keys to becoming more objective and learning to utilize critical thinking in all areas of your life? When it comes to sales, I think you made a great point. It's less about you, your desires, and your outcomes, and more about how can I give my customer, client, strategic partner what they want. And if you get really good at listening to what their needs are and then providing an answer and a solution, even if that means you're not doing business with them, then your odds of success go up significantly. And, you know, one of the examples that Tony Robbins gives, and he talks about, uh, you know, and and, uh, rest in peace, uh, the founder of Zappos, the uh, online shoe company, but it talked about how people would call into Zappos and Zappos sales team would look, and if sometimes the shoe that the customer wanted, they were out of it, they would literally go to a competitor, you know, down the street or their website, be like, actually, you know, this competitor can get this at this price or down the street at this location. If you want it, we'll make that happen for you. And just this focus to deliver value and so much trust. And by doing that, they became a multi-billion dollar company. And just, I think, a great, unique example that seems counterintuitive. Why would you do that? That's not good for your business. But by just giving someone the solution. And I, when I used to be that person you're talking about, who, well, I'm just going to respond with a way that benefits me instead of focusing 100% on benefiting the client. And when you do that, you get referrals, even if you're not going to do business with them. When you shoot someone straight and you tell them what's best for them, even if it means they're not doing business and I'm not making money, that karma comes back, they come back, the value is delivered, and that's what leads to success in business that most people don't understand. Yeah, it it takes hard work. Like, you genuinely have to retrain your mind because we constantly have these secondary conversations going on. And I'll still find myself doing that. Like, someone's telling me this story, and I'm like, oh, I've already heard this. I know exactly what what they're talking about. I'm like, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, nodding. And all of a sudden, they drop this, like, value bomb that I apparently missed when I read the exact same story or was told about it the first time or told to, told to listen to it on this news station. And all of a sudden I get this totally different perspective. And so, I mean, you've got to really work on eliminate, eliminating those secondary conversations and listening with that intent to understand. Almost like ingrained biases that we yeah. have where we totally. think we're right or we think our way is the only way or we we don't actually listen and we think... You know, you ever hear that someone where, and we've all seen the, and have these type of people in our life, maybe friends, family, someone at business, I know, I know, I know. They're always saying, I know, I know, I know, I know, and they don't ever listen, and they're yeah. missing out on all this opportunity to comprehend and find better solutions and a better way to do things. And so it's super important for you, and, and you'll see this in the most successful business owners where they're bringing up debate. When they're trying to find a solution to a problem, they'll bring in two people in their company and they'll listen to both sides of what we could do. The marketing campaign could be this way. And they'll really listen and they'll hear both sides and then try and make the best best decision from there. And when you can make a decision based on really being objective and looking at both sides of an issue, you're much more likely to come to the truth and the best solution versus going into it where you think it's this way or you even think, oh, this this person in my organization knows more. But sometimes someone in your entry-level position will come up with a great idea, and that's why I think it's important to look for truth and find that solution wherever it's coming from. Exactly. If, if you sit down and you break down 
the strongest relationships that you have in, in this life, you know, maybe your spouse, your business partner, your friends, you look at your strongest relationships, they are all built on trust. And there is no way to create trust unless you are understood, which means that these people are probably the best people in your life at listening to you and truly understanding you and what you're going through because that that understanding develops trust and trust develops a strong relationship. So the old uh, uh, Stephen Covey, author of Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, seek first to understand and then to be understood secondarily. Exactly. If you do that, you'll think critically, you'll make better decisions, and you'll get closer to the truth. So, you know, one of the best examples is when you're doing a marketing strategy or sales and you're like, I think this, and you'll always hear someone and they started out with, I think this. That's great. That's their opinion. They, and they can think that way. But most importantly, what does the market think? Yeah. Right? I used to get, oh, I think this and well, therefore. But it doesn't matter what I think. It matters what my the market thinks, right? What is your overall customer or dream client or strategic part that you want to work? What do they think? And when you go in with the conversation of, being open to looking for what the market thinks, well, you're much more likely to succeed if you go in there trying to, you know, just impose your will and think you're going to be right. Well, the market will teach you very quickly that you are wrong and you need to be open to making changes. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's jump into our mastery topic, which is the importance of delayed gratification. And let's see, this one is where's this okay this is it this is from tony robbins website here so i'm excited uh, for this one the importance of delayed gratification and we've talked a little bit about this over the last uh you know few weeks in our podcast just touched on it briefly but one of the things i'm seeing consistent and and i study success every day who can I learn from, whether it's someone like Tony Robbins or Alex Hormozzi or uh, last night uh, I bumped into one of uh, Russell Brunson's right-hand guys uh, whose son plays uh, uh, with my son's uh, basketball team that I'm coaching. And so I'm always trying to learn from more successful people. And I see this common theme, I've seen it in your lifetime, where successful people delay gratification temporarily with the vision that they're going to get something better. And so here's what it says. This is on Tony Robbins' website. He says, In today's day and age of one-click purchases and immediately accessible information, instant gratification is seen as the norm. The always-on world with smartphones and Wi-Fi reinforces that you have to get what you want right away, but instant gratification is not always best. In fact, impulse control is an essential life skill when it comes to achieving your goals. Delayed gratification is the skill that you w- that will get you there faster. The ability to hold out now for a better reward later is an essential life skill. Delayed gratification allows you to do things like or go large purchases to save for a vacation, skip dessert to lose weight, or take a job you don't love, but that will actually help your career later on. Ty, like, how have you seen delayed gratification, you know, benefit you or those you, you know, look up to, you know, in your life? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. I I have a few things that come to mind, but they're all the ones that come to mind are like the silly little. Like I only eat a sugar sweet once a week. And no, but that's real. Yeah, that's legit. It, and it, most it people don't live like that. And what's interesting is I found that 
you enjoy that treat so much better or so much more, excuse me, because you know, that's all you're getting. You're only getting that once a week. So it's, it's more enjoyable, but I would say the the biggest thing that like the most drastic decision that I've made in my life to this point, as far as delayed gratification go, comes down to my real estate portfolio. Um, because the very, very first home that I bought, I decided, you know what I can afford at this point, granted, this was 2014, so it's a very, very different housing market, but it was like I could afford a four to $450,000 home, which at that point was a very, very nice home. But you know what? I said, instead of doing that, I'm going to get a $200,000 home that could get a lot of work done. I'm going to live there for a couple of years and then do it again and then do it again and then be able to take HELOCs against those homes and get down payments on investment properties. And still to this point, um, like the, the general public, if you saw how much money I made versus the kind of home that I live in, I think people would be very, very surprised because it's still at this point in my life, I am still delaying that gratification of this really, really nice home because I have a bigger picture perspective. I know what I want for my family, for my life, for my retirement. So I'm okay to sacrifice and live in a lesser expensive home and a smaller home and not have the private office and this and that, because I have such a strong picture of what I do want 10 years from now. I think that's just so important. And successful people are good at delaying gratification. And I think one of the biggest reasons why I didn't do that as well as I should have done in my younger years or why a lot of people don't is because they literally are worrying about what other people think. And at the end of the day, the big lesson you need to learn is your goals and dreams and what you want to accomplish should be so much bigger and beyond what anyone else thinks that you're going to do that you shouldn't have to worry or even think about what they think. It doesn't matter. What matters is what are your dreams and goals? What are you working towards? And if you can't learn to delay your gratification, then you will delay your success significantly. And it's like if you'll delay your gratification, if you'll sacrifice time, then you'll set yourself up for the rest of your life. And everybody else who starts making more money and gets that more expensive home, like think about all the people that bought an expensive home in the last year and now they're up, you know, probably owe more than maybe what the home is worth, depending on where they live, or it's about, you know, it's it's not a great situation, or they're they're so anxious to get into it, and now they're taking higher interest rates instead of being patient for a better deal and getting maybe a duplex, right? Getting a, a home that you can rent out like you did with your first purchase. That's so important to delay that gratification. It's the same thing with business. You start and launch that business, and oh, you got to go get all the the toys and do all the things. And you got to, you know, the biggest example I'll give is this, uh, in, in, a, in a previous business that we were both a part of, you know, the, the partners that I had, Oh, we've got to get this big expensive office, which was the stupidest thing ever. And so we move into this $30,000 a month office and it's like, Oh, wow. You can feel like you've arrived and you've got status in this expensive ass office that you're not even filling up half of it. And you're wasting and all the profits you could be making that actually would make a difference in your business and life are now going into that nice office. And so every decision that, that uh, we've tried to make with our business is how can we, you know, be smart, set ourselves up for a better future, start off with a small office, right? We start out with a small office and, oh, let's Let's rent out half of this office because we're still not ready to use it. And when we are, then we can. And so it's those smart things like someone who gets into a house and they rent out a room or they rent out the basement. It's those things that protect you 
and put set you up for a much, much better future by doing that. And you appreciate those things much more too. Like if you really, really decide, you know, instead of doing this, I'm going to wait and get this house in five years or 10 years when I'm ready, you're going to appreciate that house so much more because of the grind that it took for you to get there. And like we always talk about with goals, it's not achieving the goal. It's the transformation that occurs between the day you set the goal and the day that you achieve it. You're literally delayed gratification is showing yourself day in and day out. I can do hard things. I'm in control of my mind. I'm in control of my body, right? Not my mind controlling me, vice versa. So I, I think it's something that every day convincing yourself and teaching yourself that you can do hard things helps your life in so many different ways. No question. So here's some of the things that uh, Tony Robbins uh, talked about in this article. He talked about the marshmallow experiment. We talked about this where these kids were put in a room and, hey, if you can wait 30 minutes or extra time, you, your one marshmallow becomes two. I think it was like the majority of them couldn't wait. Yeah. And so they ate it and they didn't get a second one, right? And those that uh, did, they watched them later on in their life. And the ones that delayed gratification made more money, had better families, had more success, traveled more, et cetera, et cetera, because they were disciplined in delaying gratification. There's a way to delay gratification and communication. You get that email from that angry client or that ridiculous person or that family or friend, and you must immediately respond. And, and you know, you, you think of Twitter and social media and, and people just uh, saying all these crazy things because they're reacting so quickly or they're having road rage on the, on the freeway and they get off to go get in a fight and some horrible thing happens. So one thing I thought about is when you get that email or that thing, don't respond. Wait 24 hours. Wait till you can think clearly. Delay your gratification in dealing with it, and you're going to make a better decision, especially with your significant uh, other. Because back in the day, you could have an argument with your spouse, but you didn't have a cell phone. You go to work. You wouldn't say anything. You come back. You'd be calmed down by Compose that night. Yeah. You know, I'm sorry, honey. I was being an, an a-hole. Sorry about that, right? But nowadays, oh, we text immediately, get back to them, and, and all of a sudden it just – it gets even worse. And then he talks about uh, with your business, you know, oh, I don't want to sacrifice my weekends. I've got to stream more Netflix or I've got to do this or I've got to do that when you should be reading that extra book, listening to that extra podcast, doing that extra course, doing that extra reach out, that one more call, right? Uh, health, perfect example. You know, instead of letting yourself eat garbage every day, hey, I'm going to give myself one cheat meal a week and uh, and that's what I'm going to do, and then I can eat stuff, and then, and then I get it. And then, you know what happens when you do that? You do, like, you actually don't feel like eating that stuff anymore because you feel sick because your body's like, no, you don't eat that. What are you doing? Yeah. And uh, and then you work out more, and then after you start working out really, you're like, I actually don't want to eat that crap now because now I, I need something healthy after I just worked out. And yeah. so it's amazing how that just builds on itself and, and creates momentum. Exactly. It's that I worked way too hard for this. Why would I sacrifice here? And, and the key word, like you talked about at the very beginning, is momentum. It's just a matter of getting that thing started. It's like John was telling me um, in Sunday school, they gave an analogy of like a massive train, cargo train. If you put this teeny little one inch by one inch steel block and, and you put it on the track, not like you actually solder it in there right up against the wheel, that massive train can't start. Like, it cannot oh, get wow. the force to push that over. But a train that's going full force can absolutely plow through that like it's nothing and significantly more weight. So it's this interesting momentum concept and in how 
it's taking that first initial step and removing those first initial roadblocks so that you can get started and then you're unstoppable. Absolutely. Great example. Finances, examples, delay big purchases, save to invest, not just to save. And, and a lot of people will save and then they'll blow that money. But if you can save to invest, if you can delay a big purchase, I just think it's such a great example. Instead of buying the big expensive home that you can actually you, you can legit qualify for, but you don't. You invest that money into rental properties, into in properties, into cash flow that makes you money, or you start a business and you invest in a business that's going to make you more money and you delay that gratification. And that's the, the, that's the difference between people that become millionaires and those that don't. Yeah. Figuring out what works for you with that is really important. Like for me, saving money, I like to invest every dollar that I have. So I've had to work on the saving piece of it. Um, and gamifying it was a huge, huge part of me saving money. And myfigures.com was a huge part of that because I was able to set a financial goal and see on that roadmap how I was doing to achieve that goal. So finding a way to gamify the savings, like I want this much by this point, and if I do, I get this reward. And Because me and Marie have separate finances. That's important. That's important. That's really good. Gamifying it is is huge. But um, like I said, myfigures.com, when we were talking about the the opposites attract, like we do, it's a little unorthodox. We've almost 10 years married. We have completely separate finances. Like we do not share a single bank account, but having my figures to have that accountability and see, oh, how are you doing? How are you doing? Um, gamifying it, holding each other accountable. That's a big part of delayed gratification is that accountability. Yeah, no, no question about it. And and the awesome you know, thing about it is you take more action towards that. You start to, to see more success. The momentum builds and and that's how you create but but the thing that really just caught my attention that you said is and and we talked about this when we did our business plan and, and uh, hundreds of people have now downloaded that uh, free business plan template in our business plan training but having emotional drivers if it's just the numbers and it's just oh I want to make more money I want to have more financial freedom at the end of the day that won't quite get you excited as you make these sacrifices there has to be some rewards, right? And so, you know, as I, you know, make that investment and now I get new cash flow rent, I'm going to take some of that money and I'm going to get that new set of golf clubs or my wife and I are going to go on that awesome vacation. Like after you sacrifice, then there is some sort of reward, an emo- emotional driver that makes you take that action. Because if you also don't have anything, then you know, so no, I'm you're a 75 year old miser and you have some money in the bank, but great, you've lived a terrible life. So yeah. you also don't want to go too far that direction. And so if you have some emotional drivers, that's that's super important. Amen. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, we will get to our freedom topic on our episode on Friday. But uh, again, if you found value in this, make sure you give us a thumbs up, you know, comment uh, in the comment box, give us some questions. If you haven't subscribed, subscribe. And if you're finding value in this, share the show with other, you know, business owners, side hustlers, people who want to get their money right. If you're listening to this on the podcast, same thing, give us a, a five star review. And if getting your money right is super important, Uh, What pays for this entire show and platform and everything that we do here is the MyFigures Money app at MyFigures.com. You can get any of those memberships uh, for under a dollar a day. There's a 30-day free trial. It's for business owners who are tired of logging into 30 different accounts, who want to get their mindset right. Uh, We have a new profit and loss piece that's going to help you 
much easier than the other accounting softwares out there. Know that you're profitable with your business. So check that out. And we will see you next time. Our next episode coming on Friday, same time, 2 to 3 Eastern, 11 to 12 Pacific. God bless. Have a great day. Take massive action. We'll see you guys on Friday. Thank you for joining us on the Go Figure podcast. If you learned something that will help your business or family, take 30 seconds and give us a five-star. If we added value to your day, then share the show with someone who wants to get their money right and be sure to subscribe to the Seven Figures Funding YouTube channel. If you're a business owner and a parent committed to getting your money right for your family, then check out the MyFigures.com money app with a free 30-day trial to manage your money, track your net worth, and build a profit-first business through our fintech platform. God bless, and we'll see you next time on the Go Figure podcast.